Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora, always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast Season 14, Episode 10. He's Dave Brian. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Friday, Steelers Nation, just about just over 24 hours away until the Steelers' second preseason game Saturday against the Buffalo Bills, the lone home preseason game Pittsburgh will have. Kickoff slated for 6.30. Day Pittsburgh breaking training camp yesterday, their last practice at St. Vincent College on Thursday. A low-key scout team, work-off-the-card kind of day. Not a whole lot to talk about there. We did wrap up, though, on the special edition episode last night. So we made it. Camp is done, but we got a game right around the corner. Woo! <laughs> uh, glad to be on the backside of uh, <laughs> uh, camp at this at this point in time. And uh, look, I mean, you know, second preseason game on tap now. We'll obviously get into that a little bit, start pre- previewing that. Uh, get a uh, interesting opponent in the Buffalo Bills, and it sounds like uh, Josh Allen and company are going to play. And for how long, I guess we'll see. But you know that should be a good you know, forever. How long they do play, that should be a pretty good test for uh, that defense. That will should have uh, several guys playing on that side of the football that didn't play in the in 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 the first preseason game. And obviously, we'll look to see the offense and how much more they play in this game for the Steelers. And if Kenny Pickett and company can kind of pick up where they left off on that fantastic first drive that uh, they had for a touchdown against the Buccaneers. So uh, look, I mean, I, I realize camp's over, but we still got a ways to go until the start of the regular season. So it's going to be a, an exciting last couple of weeks here. And busy because you got a game Saturday and then the preseason finale Thursday against Atlanta. So just a quick turnaround there. And then a week later is cutdowns, which is always a very insane time of year. So it's going to be, you know, really intense here, even though camp has wrapped up. But you're right, Dave, although it's not in game and there's not as much game planning and the stakes obviously are not anything like they are in the regular season. A good litmus test against a Bills team that just beat the snot out of Pittsburgh last year just to kind of gauge it. A little bit, at least. But let's start there. Let's start with what uh, Mike Tomlin had to say Thursday, holding a press conference before the final training camp practice and did you know not give exact parameters on how much Pittsburgh's offense will play, but said these guys, the, the Steelers offense and only the team in general will play more than they did than they did against Tampa Bay. Veterans that sat out the opener like Cam Hayward, Patrick Peterson, uh, TJ Watt, Minka, they're going to play. Joey Porter Jr. should make his debut after missing the Tampa Bay game with an ankle injury. So overall, everyone healthy will play and they should play more than they did in that that first game. Yeah. uh, And, you know, he did say more for Kenny Pickett and what that is. uh, He does not know. And they'll have to they'll have to play it by ear, that kind of thing there. So, uh, look, I mean, uh, you know, I think ideally you get two or three solid series out of that first unit. And as far as the defense goes, I don't know how long you want to play those guys, but, uh, you know, I, I think Mike Tomlin uh, made sure to say that, 
you know, as as far as uh, an agenda goes, he wants to see communication on 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 that side of the football, and for a lot of reasons, because you got a lot of you know new moving parts within that. But uh, I, I thought it was good of him to say that, you know, at least reveal that that was one of his agendas. Yeah, that's always an important part for sure. He did mention three players, essentially ruled them out. He said probably won't play. But if you say probably won't play for a preseason game, you can bet some pretty good money that they're not going to suit up. That is Larry Okunjobi with his right foot, Trey Norwood, who's been working his way back from a right leg injury, but sounds like they're going to play him for the finale against Atlanta and Nate Herbig with the shoulder injury. Tomlin essentially saying all are minor, nothing long-term in terms of the concern there, but don't expect those guys to play. But everybody else, barring something unforeseen, should be able to go. Yeah, it will be interesting to see how much playing time some of these uh, newer guys, I think there's, what, four four new new ads since the last game, four or five new ads since the last game. And, and Valaday, uh, you know, I, I think is probably the most notable, uh, 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 of those players there to see if he can make a final push, you know, at, at this thing, obviously Anthony McFarlane junior, as we've talked, you know, seems to be in the driver's seat for that number three spot. And Mike Tomlin said, he wants to look at Anthony McFarlane and Calvin Austin III on on these returns, and uh, I that gets full endorsement from not that he needs it, but I think that gets full endorsement from uh, from me and you. Uh, you know, I think you had the article of you know will they play like they practice? You know, ki- kind of mm-hmm. uh, post you know a couple of days ago there, and yeah, I, I'm. I'm 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 excited to see both in the return game and and I think the specialists are going to play uh the starting or at least the first team uh specialists so yeah they're he he even though he doesn't lay out a lot during these press conferences as far as what's going to happen I I thought he painted a pretty good picture overall there's enough for us to cobble together and you're right in that you know article that I written about playing how they practice. I had written, I assumed that they were going to give, you know, Austin more opportunities in this game. It really felt like that first game was for all the backup specialists to try to get an opportunity. And then you probably play more of the starters in the second and third game. So two guys trying to, you know, cement different roles, McFarland trying to show he has some special teams value as a kick returner. Hopefully there are opportunities to return. You may not get many of those based on a million different variables. And Austin really want to see him as a punt returner. Will we see any of Gunnar Olszewski? Does he still get an opportunity? I know he's a bit more of a known guy, and he was signed coming over from New England as a return guy, fumbled the job away last year. But, you know, are they just going to assume what they have in him and just give extra reps to McFarland and Austin? I'll be watching for that. I think you know a lot. You should already know what you need to know about Gunnar at this point, I would think. Now, you probably would like to get him at some point in these final uh, final two you know, preseason games sometime, but man, I, I, I would give, uh, I'd give both Anthony McFarland Jr. and, and Calvin Austin the third as many, many return uh, opportunities in, in, in at least this game as mm-hmm. possible. If, let me ask you this, is McFarland hypothetically being the team's starting kick returner in the value he offers as the third string running back enough to justify his spot on the 53? I think he's got to be part of at least one one special teams unit, man. And if that's if that's it with the with the kick return uh, team, then 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 so be it. Because I mean, outside of that, what other special teams unit is, is he going to fit in on? You know, sure. 
No, uh, and I don't I don't debate that. But the question is, is that enough? I mean, you, I don't want to downplay the, the need for a kick returner you trust, but kick returns are probably the least valuable thing in terms of, you know, special teams units right now, just in the sense of you're going to see so few of them this year. I tell you, if he takes at least one of them uh, Saturday night past the 40 yard line, <laughs> that might that might be enough. Just just show mm-hmm. me one one time. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and it'd be interesting to chart around because you want to you want to put them in the best opportunity, right? It, it's not like I mean, you, you don't want to throw out you know a lot of the back end guys of the roster out there uh, as part of that. So you know, and and once again, you're you're at the mercy of are they going to kick it to them and all like that. But right. I would I would at the very least the first couple of times, both on punt return and kick return, I'd put the guys out there that I think at least, you know, line up on the depth chart wise as the way you see it right now, as far as the tops to put them in the best, Mm -hmm. best position to have a good return. And I think they will. I think their intention is to play their starting units across the board, offense, defense, and special teams for some fraction of this game. Yeah. I guess the, if he, if he has a good kick return, then sure. You, you kind of get what you're you're looking for, obviously. But what happens if, you know, there, there's two touchbacks and one return he takes out to the 27? Then what do you do with that? You know, he gets yeah. a rep. It's fine. It's just one of those awkward things. Well, then it comes that, you know, it, A, can, you know, how does a guy like Valaday figure in all that? It's, a, you know, as excited as maybe you want to be about that kid uh, being a late ad, he is a late ad and it's a, it's a tough chore for him. And we don't even know how much he's going to play in this game uh, at, at all. And I guess it, I guess where I'm going with this is, you know, if it's not McFarlane as a number three running back, then who is it? And someone not on this roster. Probably. And if it's not, if it's neither, then could this team realistically use that roster spot elsewhere with the assumption that if you got into an emergency situation, Connor Hayward could, could, could be that back for you. Sure. I understand that. We've had that that conversation before. It's not a crazy thought. I I think it would have been a crazy thought before training camp, but based on what we've seen so far, he's certainly gotten used to There's value to that. And he's adding running back to his collection of hats that he can wear. But I'm just looking at, Benny Snell, the third string running back last year, played on 65% of the special team snaps, 284 snaps total. McFarland giving you, you know, a couple of kicks here and there. Again, I don't mean to dismiss that. I know in December you get more kick returns when the weather gets bad. There's value there. You know, Steven Sims had a big kick return against Tampa Bay last year to open up the half and help win that game. I don't mean to dismiss that, but obviously the NFL is shrinking the importance of that. And is that enough? I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying it's an open question. Hey, here's another open question for you as well, too. How will game day elevations from the practice squad potentially play into this? Because couldn't you technically carry the two two running backs, Najee and, and Jalen Warren, uh, and obviously along with you know whatever you want to call Connor? Connor Hayward, as we talked about <laughs> late in this process, I think even on the final uh, special edition of the podcast, he's a – he he is not a fullback. He is not an H back. He is not a tight end. He is a fantasy flex player. <laughs> yes. uh, uh, that's probably how we need to be listing him on a depth chart. Flex. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so within that, you know, could could and de- look it, there. 
injuries when it comes to setting at least the initial 53, and I'm not talking about the 53 that you take to uh, uh, take into the stadium in week one. I'm talking about, you know, that initial cut there. Injuries could cause some some of that quick roster manipulation. Now, knock on wood, sure. it doesn't look like it's going to impact that now, but you still got two preseason games to go. So you might have to carry one or two players on your 53-man roster, on your initial 53-man roster, just to get them past that initial cut down so you could send them to IR for the designated to return and all like that. But even past that, uh, how might... Because look, I and we're going to get into our fifty-three man roster predictions and all like that. Uh, there's a there's uh, there's some some wiggle room within there, it's like it's safety and maybe running back and maybe an offensive line spot, where you kind of wonder, well, because of these game day you know practice squad elevations, you know, might they care? Might they only carry, let's say, just two running backs and Connor Hayward, and then work off of a game day elevation for that? for that game day third running back spot. You see what I'm saying? I do. And you're right about the movement of the 53 that happened with Calvin Austin last year, initially carried to be placed on IR to return. But you can only do those elevations so many times. You get right. what, three of them, and then the player either you know has to go through waivers or he's got to be, or I think he's got to stay on your 53. I forget the exact rule, but you can't do that endlessly. So that's not a long-term plan for the whole season. Right, but things happen throughout the season, <laughs> you sure. know, in other words, what I'm getting is they, they tend to work themselves out, you know, through, through some sort of attrition or, or something along those lines. But yeah, I mean, that, that is something else to think about there, but I mean, in a pure, in a pure, when is the last time anyway, that this team has gone into week, a week one game without true three true running backs on their 53 man roster. Probably never. <laughs> I doubt right. it's ever happened before, given Pittsburgh's kind of older school nature. But even if that is the scenario, okay, what third running back are you elevating? Who's the guy? Right. Is and there's the no, and there's, well, and there's no guarantee, you know, if, if there's probably no guarantee that you can't, I don't think you can guarantee that McFarlane wouldn't end up on another roster, you know? So then you'd be betting of which guys, you know, we're, we're cutting this 50. You should keep your best 53 period, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. So when you're making plans outside of that, I don't think you can guarantee yourself. Well, this guy will get to the practice squad and, you know, then we'll use them as an elevation from there. So there, there's a lot, there's a lot, lot, lot of layers up to, you know, of this onion here that, you know, we don't know goes on behind closed doors. And all that is just to say that hopefully McFarland gets a chance to do something on kicks in this game. There can be some evaluation and you take it from there. But even though I think internally there's not much competition or really any competition, but there could be something on the outside still brewing. Right. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, Mike I, I still think that someone's coming or <laughs> from the outside. I, I don't know who. I don't know if it's going to be a center. I don't know if it's going to be a running back. I don't know if it's going to be, you know, uh, they feel it, it feels like they feel a lot, a lot more comfortable with their corners, though, you know, and, mm -hmm. and but I mean, I, I, injuries could still shape all of that, though. Yeah, I, I still get that sense. They're frustrated with James Pierre because he's a, a talented player that doesn't always show it. And so if you want to talk about and, and I don't mean to get on a, a soapbox, here, I'm not saying that this will happen. But if you want to talk about maybe a surprise cut, 
that's a name kind of rattling around in my head if they find another outside corner. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think, you know, an outside guy may still be in the mix. I was doing a bit of research because we're getting closer to that time about potential outside cuts. And I circled back to Jimmy Morrissey, who we talked about in the offseason. And it's kind of 50 50. Some of the Texans guys are split. Will he make the team or not? I know that they're, you know, one center, Quisenberry, got hurt, and that's going to help boost the odds of Morrissey to make it. But it does not still seem like a slam dunk because they did draft you Scruggs and Jared Patterson, and those guys should make the team. Okay. All right. What else? What else, uh, yeah. what else from Tomlin? I was just going to ask you the same. Talked about Najee Harris and him getting less physical reps. He was rarely tackled and really, you know, that was probably by mistake the times that he was tackled in practice uh, during camp this year, getting some of that older Le'Veon Bell treatment of just keep this guy upright, keep him healthy. He got hurt last summer. Don't want that to happen. You know, I know he did play in the opener. He should play in this game, but Pittsburgh managing Najee as much as possible. Yeah, especially after last year and, you know, didn't get fully healthy until second half of the season there. And I mean, you know what you, you, you know what you have in him at this point. And as we talked on the podcast the other day, you know, you would think Warren would have some increased role, what that increased role looks like, but, uh, yeah, getting Najee health, uh, out of, out of camp and out of the preseason healthy, uh, you know, should be a priority. Yeah, and right now, mission accomplished on him. I know the camp was probably a bit underwhelming, and I was hoping to say more glowing things about Najee, but when you're not really fully integrated and practice like the others, I think generally your your camp reports are a bit more lackluster, although I thought in Passboro, one of the backs-on-backers drills that Harris participated in, he struggled more uh, than I thought. Let's see what else from Mike Tomlin. No fights, officially can say no training camp fights, and so... That is, I have my training camp awards post up on the site today. That's my biggest surprise award. It's a, a little uh, cheeky to say, but no fights. I thought there'd be one this year in the, the dog days of summer. Yeah, and look, look, that's a great article as well, too. That ought to do really well today. While we're talking about that, I mean, I, there's really nothing much else from, from Mike Tomlin. I think the highlights, once again, being him saying that uh, agenda was defensive communication, talking about who who may or may not play, talking about McFarlane and Austin, uh, the Najee bit there. Yeah, I think that was the high, you know, he talked about, you know, Kenny Pickett and, you know, uh, what he liked out of him in camp and how he just competed all the time. And then he talked about the fights there. So moving on from that, let's get into uh, your camp awards. Yeah, I wanted to do something a bit different than a traditional winners and losers list and kind of have some fun with a post-camp recap. And it's one of many post-camp recaps. I'm going to still have a player-by-player analysis and grades for each guy that was in camp this year. Those will start to float in over the next couple of days you're looking for camp stats i've been asked about that a couple times that will go up saturday morning they're almost done just have to finish uh, compiling all the information today uh but i have my training camp awards i'll kind of run through them here i have just a, a million categories that i'm just kind of you know messing around with but the biggest winner awards, feels like top- we need some sort of an award <laughs> uh, music <laughs> there is red carpet uh next to me uh, okay. that, I, that i've rolled out here dave but biggest winner goes to Wide receiver George Pickens, and there's a lot of good candidates here, and I have some honorable mentions, some runner-ups in Cole Holcomb and Nick Herbig, uh, Kenny Pickett, Deontay Johnson, Keanu Benton, even Dan Moore Jr. I think there was some moments where Pickens, you know, some of the connection with Pickett wasn't as strong, but I gave Pickens the award partly based on stats. He was really productive. He led the team in receiving yards, or second in the team in receiving yards, I should say, tied for the team lead in touchdowns. But the reason why I gave it to him was you know, him showing the development of his route tree and 
you know, he didn't win vertically a ton in camp in terms of him making some crazy downfield catches in the team period. I know he made the great catch on Porter. That was 1v1, but it was, you know, him running the dig, running the slant. Um, you know, what he did in the preseason game, for example, just kind of shows what he was displaying in camp. So it is still going to be work to, to do with him. He's not a complete receiver yet, but he has made big strides compared to where he was a year ago. And that's going to take his game to new heights. About how many wow plays did you see from him uh, uh, during camp, whether it be getting the feet down in the end zone or or even even the one V one catch against Porter? Uh, I would have to think there's probably close to, I don't know, a dozen wow plays or so. I don't have an exact number. It was less than last year, but I think that's a good thing because I know he can make the wow play, and he certainly did. I mean, there's there's at least three or four. The Porter or the catch over Porter obviously had a great one handed snipe on James Pierre uh, just the other day, and probably a couple others as well. But I was more excited to see him run the curl and get separation at the top of his route to run the slant to go over the middle of the field on the dig and make a tough catch uh, behind him because I know he can make, he can go downfield when contested, when the jump balls, I mean, that that's, that's his game and he's still going to do that, but I want him to be more than just that guy. And to me, I think the boring is the most exciting part of George Pickens right now. All right. So the biggest disappointment I went to, and honestly, I don't mean to sound, you know, with black and uh, gold color glasses here, but it was hard to find a true disappointment. I don't know if anyone really truly had a bad camp, at least in terms of guys that you were hoping to have really good camps overall. But I went wide receiver Hakeem Butler. I understand, you know, even if he had a good camp, it was not going to drastically alter the course of the Steelers season. But for a guy that got so much buzz whenever he signed over from the what XFL and people thought this guy's going to make the roster, had a great you know spring season. With them, with the Battle Hawks, but really just a quiet camp, a couple of drops, two drops yesterday, and not a guy that I think is making any sort of a push for the 53-man roster. I think I said after he was signed that, you know, uh, the, the, he's, the fact that he's coming out of that league, that he still seemed to be, because I did, uh, you know, uh, a contextualization, I think, on on all of, this, all of his targets and all like that, that he really still kind of was the same player you know, that he was, you know, uh, during that brief time early in the, in the, in the NFL there, I'm not so surprised that he, he is considered outside the bubble at this point, uh, after training camp, I guess I'm probably most surprised that he didn't put up a bigger battle seemingly from your reports and, and, you know, everything that's out there that he didn't put up a, a bigger battle to at least put himself in, in right on that bubble talk, mm-hmm. you know? Right. To me, never felt like he even made a, a push. I mean, there was the occasional decent catch and he's got some size, but he can't separate the hands are a problem. Special teams. There might be a little something there, but not going to offer as much as Miles Boykin just didn't see it with him. And he didn't play in the slot. I think I thought he would get work inside as that big slot that could be attractive, but he was really an outside guy. Is he even a practice squad guy that you'd consider at this point? I mean, you can consider it, but he was not on my edition. I think Cody White's a near lock to make it. And I thought Des Fitzpatrick outplayed Hakeem Butler. So I put on my uh, roster prediction, White and Fitzpatrick on the practice squad. All right. Honorable mentions for the disappointment went to the backup specialists. I don't really see Harvin or Koontz being pushed. Mason Rudolph, I did put Najee Harris on there. Again, I understand kind of the context of them really being careful and protective of Najee Harris, but 
his camp was not what I was hoping that it would be. And just the general lack of running back competition for that third string spot. I really thought that that was going to be like an intense battle, really fun, underrated thing to watch. And it was a complete dud. It was McFarland had a good camp. Graham got hurt. Hagan's fumbled the ball 74 times. And that was all she wrote. All right. For the hardest worker award, I went to Joey Porter Jr. Almost always first on the field. Dude worked on his hands so much. I think he talked about that. He wanted to prove people wrong, prove that he could catch. The one pick in college was not because he had bad hands. I mean, this guy just put in the work all the time. So Jugs Machine, I I don't know the name of that coach that works with Deontay and Porter. I, I don't know how I can find out his name, but that guy was working with Porter all the time. And I just thought Porter, you know, even though he's a second round pick, he's got the Porter name. This dude worked like he was an undrafted rookie. The thing uh, that that uh, uh, you know from somebody that's not there but still sees the you know the uh, the reports and 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 your your tweets and the interviews and all like that. You know, I think several times he was one of the first ones down the stairs. Was he not? Uh, coming, oh yeah, most days coming to the practice field. Uh, look, he you know. For lack of a, he was on the wrong end of a uh, viral <laughs> video uh, within that. I thought he handled that really well. Obviously, had to work through a minor injury uh, through this thing, and you know the few media sessions that he had. I thought he ha- I thought he handled really really good. He didn't come off as 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 a rookie. And look, I mean, obviously, he's probably been prepped. You know, his dad mm-hmm. played in the NFL and and kind of knew what to expect. I my question. Coming out of, out of what I just said, there would be, can you envision this guy kind of being that because you're fixing to go through a, a leadership change here, you know, on this team at some point, you know, uh, four or five years from now, can you see Joey Porter Jr. kind of being that that mouthpiece of at least one, like one of two or three mouthpieces on the defense as far as that veteran leader type? It's obviously hard to say. I think Mike Tomlin once made the quip of, I'm not looking for leadership. He was referencing somebody else. I think it was Broderick Jones. Um, I'm just kind of evaluating his play. And I think Porter's generally, I think he's admitted a bit you know, more quiet and reserved off the field than his dad was. I think if I had to guess, and I don't know the man, obviously, and how you are in year one versus year four can be two totally different things. But I think he'll be the lead by example guy because of the work he puts in and and the little things he works on and how detail oriented he seems to be the professionalism in which he has for, you know, being so young, but of course being growing up in the NFL essentially is going to accelerate that. So my guess is that he won't be that, you know, rah, rah leader. That's very obvious, but I think the way in which he works will be noticed by all younger players. Well, you know, even Patrick Peterson, you know, even he, he's, you know, new at Pittsburgh, but you just get the sense that, you know, that when that guy speaks, people, listen. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. And that's why it's hard to evaluate, evaluate Porter because Peterson is the clear leader in that room right now. Right. But I'm talking, can, can you potentially see Porter being that guy where, you know, every every time you know after a game, he you know he the the microphone's always in 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 his face to to get his his thoughts on things. Again, I don't know if it'll be in that upfront visual kind of way, the way that Cam Hayward is, the way that Peterson will probably be, because I think Porter's a bit more quiet and reserved. But I think Porter's the guy that's going to help mentor young guys one day. And again, people, Mike Tomlin will go to the rookie in 2026 and say, go watch what 24 does and go mimic that. I think that's the kind of leadership Porter will display. All right. 
Honorable mentions to hardest worker, Pat Frymuth, who was one of the first on the field as well. Alfredo Roberts putting those guys to work, but Frymuth always getting extra reps in. And then I think just Dan Moore, Broderick Jones for that competition after practice, um, early on the field, getting extra reps. Those guys, I think, are, are really two humble, hard workers. Best right. play goes to an obvious choice here. This is like mm-hmm. when Tiger Woods was up for best athlete of the year when in his prime. It's like, of course, it's going to Tiger. Best golfer of the year. Uh, George Pickens catch on Joey Porter, the one-handed grab. I don't think I have to say anything else about the award, Dave. No, I don't think you do, do either. That was a phenomenal uh, catch and a phenomenal shot by our own Tim Rice, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. uh, the angle that he had on that. So uh, no no pushback, no discussion, no nothing mm-hmm. on that. Next, uh, play, play, play the walk-off music. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> the honorable mentions, though, the guys that knew they weren't going to win the award, but uh, I have Joey Porter Jr.'s two-minute uh, drill interception on Kenny Pickett, a sliding grab out of bounds, but he got uh, his knees down. Darnell Washington leaping over Miles Killebrew in seven shots. Uh, Landon Roberts destroying John Levitt on a backs-on-backers rep. Kendrick Green's catches. We'll always have that, at least with Kendrick Green, even though I don't know what the future will hold uh, in terms of you know regular season action. And Connor Hayward, I, I still don't know how he made this catch in a two-minute drill, made apparently just this insane one-handed grab that I thought for sure was incomplete, but Tomlin called it a catch. And so I wish there was video of that because that might have been the best actual catch at camp or right up there with George Pickens. All right. The We Hardly Knew Ye award, uh-huh. a little fun with this. <laughs> the guy that you forget was even there will be an answer to a very obscure trivia question Dave and I will talk about five years from now and go down a rabbit hole in the podcast. John Lovett. It was there for two weeks, exactly two weeks, signed August 1st and released on, I guess, the 14th or 15th and uh, had one practice. He had the first practice in pads that Tuesday, got destroyed in backs on backers, did not practice again. He got some light individual work on, I think, a Sunday and then was cut to bring in Valaday on Tuesday. So, you know, a lot of days there and one practice for John Lovett. Uh, can can you term that uh, contusion of the soul? <laughs> <laughs> that, may, that may have been it. That yeah, that, that felt like that. So that All was right. him. Honorable mentions: Isaiah Dunn, who got signed mid camp, and no one even noticed he was hurt on the day that I tweeted out he was hurt. I was like, did anyone else notice this guy was injured? And no one else did except for I think me and one guy that was with a team throughout the entire camp. Um, but just you know, deep reserve James Mwaya from Merrimack, the rookie defensive lineman. I I liked his tools coming out but just with a deep defensive line there just really weren't many reps for him all right as i mentioned earlier biggest surprise award no camp fights i thought there'd be at least one skirmish really nothing happened so cooler heads prevailing is that a good thing a bad thing you know people can have their own opinions but i thought there would at least be one to talk about but nothing on that front all right so uh um, they didn't put together an mma team like mike thomas said Yep. NFL, not MMA. Most fan friendly. And I, this one, I'm probably not the best judge of, but I'll give the award anyway to tight end Zach Gentry, who loved playing catch with fans before practice, before the first horn went off. He was throwing footballs in the stands almost every single day. And so I think he made a lot of uh, kids happy by getting to catch a pass from an NFL player. He's a very likable guy when you see mm-hmm. that that grilling and chilling and I- any other time that they put the camera in his face. He, uh, he, 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 I, I can definitely see why you probably gave him that award from from what I've seen him. Yeah, that one with Tomlin and uh, Frymuth and uh, the grilling and chilling. That was a, a really funny episode. All right. All right. Next up, the and I should have had a better name for this, but maybe it's appropriate that I didn't. The Blah Award. The guy maybe you should have called that the Meh Award. Meh, yeah, Meh Award is probably better than Blah. Blah versus Meh. Either way, it goes to LaRaven Clark, the veteran offensive tackle who 
He was one of the players on this roster, Dave. I can say that confidently about LaRaven Clark, veteran guy, can play left tackle, right tackle, but you know, his camp, I think, was pretty poor. He was losing reps by the end, getting looked over by Spencer Anderson, even Dylan Cook in that final practice. Uh, he you know, just was brought in because he was a vet before Broderick Jones got drafted. I don't think his services will be needed too much longer. Uh, it does not hurt my feelings to hear him win that award uh, <laughs> yeah. because you, you don't want to get into another city. You dang sure don't want to see him you know, get any snaps in the game should he make the roster. So uh, we'll, we'll see if he makes the 53, but I think both of us have him on the outside looking in at this point. I would say so. The Camp Darling Award goes to safety Kenny Robinson, who's maybe been a bit quieter uh, since that preseason game, but safeties can't make spectacular plays every day, but three interceptions in camp, a couple of great ones downfield, showing physicality, a guy that got no buzz before camp is trying to fight for a 53-man roster spot right now. Is that is that award relegated to uh, undrafted or, or first or, or rookies or what? Just anyone that, you know, was a darling that no one talked about before camp. So there really was no experience requirement. Just, you know, the guy that went from unknown to the guy we talk about. All right. Uh, An honorable mention to Dylan Cook, who I think had a really underrated camp overall. The best battle award, the two players that had the best, uh, you know, showings going against each other was Broderick Jones against Nick Herbig. And some of the 1v1 O-line, D-line reps, those guys made each other better. Herbig won some, Jones won some, thought they were some really intense battles. Yeah, a couple of roommates in training camp as well, too. So those guys ought to be pretty close at this point. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, honorable mentions going to sticking with the trenches here in Cam Hayward versus Isaac Sayamalu and, of course, George Pickens versus Joey Porter Jr. Although those guys didn't see each other as much as I think some people will lead you to believe considering Porter missed some time and Porter was often running with the twos and Pickens running with the ones. But, of course, in some of the 1v1 situations and even some team periods, they they saw each other. All right, I like the I like the honorable mention suggestions there. Breakout player Calvin Austin the third, I think, kind of a no brainer here after missing his rookie year with that foot injury. Playmaker in game in practice. I mean, he's a guy that hopefully can be a real dynamic threat for Pittsburgh. This guy, they have to keep healthy. I think, uh, man. How do you a, do that though? <laughs> Is there a way yeah, to do I mean, that? I mean, just in 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 figurative, you know. Kind, mm-hmm. kind of speech, man. I don't think uh, what I'm saying is this, this offense is going to be better with him uh, uh, than, than without him. Sure. And I think it's great to see that he's over that footage or I think just on the tape alone from, uh, from that uh, first preseason game, that speed is evident there. Uh, they need a guy like this to keep uh, defenses honest in certain situations. I guess when I ask the question of how do you do that, is there a thought to managing his reps or do you feel like you don't want to even have that thought and just let him play as you would any other player? No, you don't live in your fears. Either either he can uh, either he can handle it or he can't. How many snaps per game roughly would you like to see Austin play? Just just an average number. 30? 28 was the immediate cool. number that Very specific. in my head. Any reason that 28? Uh, just, I mean, you, you normally get anywhere from, I don't know what, 58 to 66 offensive snaps a game, somewhere in that category. So that feels just a hair under half. Who and, do and, you think- and, and the fact, because I think they're going to use, you know, a lot of two tight, you know, a lot of 12 personnel, that, that kind of thing. I think, uh, I think that, that, that makes for a, a, a good target number. Who should play more snaps per game, Calvin Austin or Allen Robinson? Yeah, now that that is a very good question. 
Uh, I mean, I think obviously situationally is going to play a big part in it sure. uh, there. Uh, I think it's kind of a push to be honest with you. I'd like to see both of them on the field, but I think both of them give mm-hmm. you, allow you to do some, 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 some different things. Uh, I think early in the game though, you want to make a concerted effort to have Calvin Austin uh, on the field to do some things to give defenses something to think about the rest of the game. That's fair. And you're, and you're right. That that's a really, I think appropriate and fair answer because they're two guys with different skill sets, different ways to help this offense. So it is a bit apples to oranges. And I think not only early in games, but I think early in season, you may see Robinson get more time. Well, Austin, you, you don't want to put too much on Austin right away. This is still going to be his first NFL regular season game. When September 10th rolls around, he can't you know necessarily handle as much as he might be able to handle later in the year. And there might even be a rookie wall or kind of a sophomore wall later in the season as he kind of goes through his first full lap around the track. But I think short answer, Austin needs to see the field as much as possible because he can be this, this explosive game breaker. This offense really desperately needs. You're more likely to get the explosive plays out of Austin (laughs) than you are, than you are Allen Robinson at this point. Sticking your neck out on that one there, Dave. All right, honorable mention for breakout player went to James Daniels, just night and day difference in his comfort from a year ago. Um, and you liked a, him last year too, you right? Well, when they signed him, he had a terrible camp last year. His camp sucked. He, I was like nervous. I was like, is his is because but season? season? Yeah, the, the back half of the season, it, it got better. It was, it was this time a year ago, the offensive line struggling hard because they really all had to adjust all together at once. Meyer system, and they had no veteran to look to that had done this stuff before, besides kind of Trent Scott, which not really helpful. So, but much better this, this year for Daniels. All right. The most underrated award goes to, I mentioned him before cornerback Levi Wallace. He just shows up every day, has good practices. Peterson gets the attention for being the wise old veteran. Joey Porter gets the attention for being the, the rookie draft pick. Levi Wallace just has good days. No one talks about him, but he's a very consistent player. As Mike Tomlin says, a steady Eddie, right? Did he say that? No, I mean, just, you know, he uses the term steady. Because oh, I had him on my study Eddie list. I thought Mike Tom might be reading Steelers Depot. Oh, OK. But he is. You're right. I mean, he is a steady Eddie. He is a very consistent type of dude. Honorable mentions going to Allen Robinson and Senator Mason Cole to give the O-line a little bit of love. All right. I like it. Mr. Versatile. And this one pretty obvious as well, Dave. Connor Hayward, offensive offensive athlete is what I called him. I mean, he's done. I mean, what do I have here? H-back, tight end, slot receiver, running back, special teams, do a touchdown pass. I mean, this guy has done everything for this team this summer. How much did you actually see him at the fullback position? In terms of like true eye formation, right. or strong guy, right. uh, zero. Besides him occasionally lining up there and then being motioned to kind of a Y-off position. But he okay. actually, I don't think, took a single snap as a true on the snap of the football fullback. Okay. Which is kind of surprising considering he did everything else and didn't do the right. one thing we thought he might do this year. But <laughs> that's camp for you. Honorable mentions for the versatile award goes to Patrick Peterson and Spencer Anderson. Peterson playing slot corner, outside corner, uh, safety rotations, and Anderson playing all five spots along the offensive line. All right. I like it. Good reasoning there. Unfortunate reward to win here. The worst moment goes to Corey Trice Jr.'s injury. You know, good couple days for him. First day in pads, non-contact knee injury. Still don't know exactly what it is, but it's going to keep him out his rookie year. So you're really excited about him, excited about Porter. And now Trice will try to get back for 2024. Yeah, the big question is, is what what does the future hold for him at this point with with mm-hmm. kind of the knee issues that he's had and um, he's got the length and he's got the want to, and seems like a great kid. You just wonder, wonder 
what what you know what 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 else is out there for him you know after obviously they'll try you know they hope you know he, he had this injury early enough that he should be one yeah. would think fully recovered by OTAs next season to give it another go but uh just with the history there you just kind of you, you pray for him and wonder honorable mention and again no one wants to win this award goes to Chappelle Russell's injury the linebacker I thought had a good camp first game and I went back and, and watched when that was it was him running down a kick and non-contact the knee just buckles and uh, that's the end to Russell's season so that that just sucks for him he was probably going to make the practice squad right I like his chances I thought he had tape and, and a camp to stick around for and so uh, he may stay on IR maybe all year because that injury non-contact knee didn't look great but we'll just have to, to wait and see all right biggest takeaway Dave you asked me yesterday what's my biggest takeaway and I kind of punted to tease it for the article today I did have the honorable mention commented that Seals Nation really excited for football the, the crazy number of people out there that even surprised me even knowing of course how well Seals Nation is usually at camps and at these practices. But my biggest takeaway of all the award goes to Dave, the skill guys are uber talented. This is a really group, a good group of guys. We talked about, you know, is this the best group they've had in terms of the skill guys since 2018? And I think you could argue that it's deeper this year than 2018, maybe not better, but deeper overall with Pickens and Johnson and Robinson and Austin and wide receiver, Frymouth and Washington. And Harris and uh, Jalen Warren and Connor Hayward. I mean, this is just a really, really good group of guys. All right. Uh, I like it. And I understand why you went that way. I guess my question would be of the guys of the skill position players uh, inside the bubble or just on the fringe of the bubble in your eyes, who is the less, less uber talented? Well, who you who are you referring to when you say kind of the bubble guys? Yeah, I'm talking about guys. Maybe you'd question whether or not they'd be on the 53 man roster. You know, uh, that in your head you're 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 thinking, well, this guy's either definitely in or he's man. I should I put him in here? You know, the the yeah, guys so like that, a Gunnar Olszewski is what you're asking about. Yeah, or someone that's inside the bubble, maybe a Zach Gentry. Okay, and you're asking about how talented that specific group is no i'm trying no i'm asking who is the least uber talented of all of them okay <laughs> i mean gentry you know obviously is not going to offer much in the past game and i think he's you know a serviceable blocker that probably wasn't as good last year as he was two years ago um gunner so olszewski maybe, more uber talented than zach gentry yeah it's hard to it's hard to compare because obviously they're you know two totally different people i mean i think gunner always has good camps and, you know, in the regular season, it probably doesn't translate. Um, it's it just a hard comparison to make because it's a small slot receiver versus the big blocking tight end. And what do you value? What can they offer you? It's it's probably hard for me to make that comparison. All right, you went full homer with the honorable mention. <laughs> yeah, the Steelers Nation. But again, I mean, the crowds I thought were, you know, for a team that was nine and eight. And it's not even like it's their first year back in St. Vincent. They were back last year. But um, yeah, I went full full pander, but it is the truth. All right. I like it. That uh, it's, it's quite quite the read, and I think that'll do really well on the site today. Yeah, so you guys can check that out. I have full details, explanations, uh, sticky to the top of the page on Steelers Depot. All right, Dave, uh, let's get into our 53-man roster dueling predictions. We both posted our uh, latest Pittsburgh Steelers roster predictions since our last podcast, and we can kind of compare and contrast. So I'll kind of pull up both here. 
Um, for the record, I don't know if you did it this way. If you did, uh, feel free to, to confirm. But I, I'm doing this from the lens of what the roster will look like at, you know, four o'clock on August 31st at, at the initial cut down, the initial 53 man roster, not necessarily what it could look like come week one against San Francisco. Right. This is uh, and this is predictive. This is this isn't any of, of my bias. This, this bias is what I think the team will do. Uh, with that initial 53. And with that, let's compare and contrast the same at quarterback Pickett, Trubisky, Rudolph. There really is not even a discussion to be had. Is that, is that a fair assessment? Dave? That's a fair assessment. I don't think Tanner Morgan, you know, even though it doesn't sound like Mason had a great camp. Uh, I, I still don't see how Tanner Morgan gets that spot. Running back, we have the same three. Again, I'm focusing, I think you are as well, just internal guys. We both believe outsiders are possible, but Harris, Warren, and McFarland. Yeah, look, uh, I started, you know, my my first 53-man roster prediction came out before camp started. I haven't done, I think you've done one since then. I haven't. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had Darius Hagens as a guy I thought, you know, uh, I wasn't giving Anthony McFarland Jr. enough enough respect at all. And I think he's earned it at this point. And I think if you stay internally and you do, do indeed keep three running backs, true running backs at this point, I don't see how it can't be Anthony McFarland Jr. Cause the other guys have just been, they were there. Uh, will we even remember uh, many of them? Now it will be interesting to see if a guy like Xavier Valade can make any sort of push here in this final time here. But I mean, it's quite, I mean, we haven't, I haven't even seen him in a Steelers uniform yet. So I can't, I can't flip from one undrafted uh, guy to a, to another one there. So uh, Anthony McFarland Jr., you know, barring them going outside the organization, you know, I, I think that's the way they go. There is some talent with Valde. You kind of see some bursts there with him in very limited action, but is there just enough time? It's possible. I, I mentioned before, you know, McLeod and Banner getting signed around the same time making the team, but it's going to be an uphill climb for Valde. No question about that. If I'm Valde, man, I'm 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 all I'm buying Danny Smith donuts, <laughs> uh, gum, 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 yes, uh, whatever I can to put me on every special teams imaginable. Uh, these last two games. I am begging him to put me on the field. All right. We're going to lump fullback and tight end together. You have Hayward, uh, Connor Hayward, technically as a fullback, as you said, you can call them whatever you want. Doesn't matter. So we have the same four of those fullbacks, tight ends of Hayward, Fryermuth, Zach Gentry, and Dornell Washington. The question is, will Gentry make it? And if so, who gets the hat on game day, Washington or Gentry? Yeah, that's, uh, I still, and I've, I've said this, Really, from the moment that Darnell Washington was drafted, I, I kind of wonder just how safe Gentry is. You know, uh, I mean, I obviously have him at this point still on my fifty-three, but I don't think I'd I'd run, you know, place a huge bet on that happening at this point. I think a lot of it re- uh, relies on what they think Darnell Washington can do, especially, you know, in, 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 in the running game, there's part of some, you know, is Gentry worth carrying as a, I mean, you got to have somebody inactive, obviously, and you've got, you've got to have enough depth there, but you know, uh, I, I just, I wonder how safe he is now. He might end up making it 
through the finish line, no questions asked. But if there was any question, anything that I thought about here, it was just maybe how safe is Zach Gentry? That's fair. And he's the least safe of those three, obviously. And so that's the guy to kind of circle to answer the question. If it is, if Gentry does make this team week one, I'm pretty confident Washington will be active over Gentry. Not to say the Washington will be perfect and have this incredible, you know, Gronk had this crazy prediction that Washington's going to catch what 600, 800 yards. That's not going to happen. But the, the talent for Washington is just too much. The red zone stuff, the athleticism, the pass game stuff. I don't know how you could justify making Darnell Washington inactive against the 49ers. There are going to be some angry fans if he shows up on the week one inactive list. <laughs> yes, there will be. All right. Wide receivers. Our first uh, difference here. I, I went six and I'm a little shaky on it, but I was trying to make the math all work. You have just five. So we both have Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, Allen Robinson, Calvin Austin, and Miles Boykin. I added Gunnar Olszewski. Partly because I only had 23 players on offense and I didn't want to do 27 defense, 23 offense. That's just out of whack. I wanted 26-24. Uh, also to say that as a return guy, we, we don't know about Kevin Austin yet. We, we've seen him inside a stadium to do you know wide receiver work and seen him in camp. He's still got to prove himself as a return man. And same with McFarland. And so Olszewski is more proven there. And so until Austin shows me that he can you know be a competent return guy, I'll put Gunner on there. I was just as shaky on the opposite end of this, wondering if I should have Gunner on there oh, okay. uh, uh, because of the fact, because a lot of, of what you said, look, this team kept six wide receivers last year and Steven Sims was, I guess, you know, number six and opened the season as the inactive uh, player. You're probably only, go only going to dress five regardless. Right. But then sure. I start, then my, then I started to think way too much. Well, what if somebody trips coming off the bus <laughs> or, or, or someone twists an ankle during pregame warmups or, 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 or something like this? Uh, if, if I'm going to be wrong with, with a position group, it, it, it very well could be this one for the sheer fact. But here's the thing. It doesn't feel like anybody else deserves to be a sixth other than Gunnar Olszewski. And then it goes mm -hmm. back to what you said. If Calvin Austin can uh, can show in these final two games that he can be the return guy, and then assuming nobody else gets injured, is is Gunnar really worth keeping as, as an inactive six-wide receiver? You're right, because one problem Pittsburgh has is, and again, the return game, especially kick returns, isn't as useful as it used to be, but who are your return options on your current roster? You're, even your whole 90-man. Austin, Gunner, McFarland, Jordan Bird, but he's not going to make the 53. I mean, that, yeah, that's all you really have. Right, right. Could you see it, in it? I mean, uh, you, and, and once again, you have, at least in our head, this team will probably... Uh, have no less than 24 offensive players on the 53, mm -hmm. right? right? So where would you, where I see where you cut, I mean, you, 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 you're going into this with eight offensive linemen, uh, right. but it, but, uh, if they kept nine offensive linemen and kept three running backs, true running backs, where else is there to cut to keep a six wide receiver and still have at least 24 men on, on, on the offensive yeah. side. Welcome to, to my dilemma. It has to be Zach Gentry. 
Yeah, I guess it would be. I mean, to, to make the math work. And, and yeah, I know eight offensive linemen. We go me, way too deep into this, but this <laughs> is do. what we do, folks. Sorry. That's <laughs> what I was staring at trying to make this thing. That's a big reason I put Gunner on there. And yeah, I know eight offensive linemen is very unlikely to happen. I have that written in the article. We'll, we'll get to them in a second. This is the initial. I think they will have nine at least to start the year, but the initial uh, group, I think, because again, they, they carried seven receivers initially last year with Austin being the seventh and to allow him to go to IR to have a chance to return. Um, and frankly, Dave, I mean, if these were the six, if I'm somehow right, if these are the six, Johnson, uh, Pickens, Robinson, Austin, Boykin, and Olszewski, I don't think any of them are inactive on game day. Who do you make inactive of those six? I think Gunner. Then I assume Austin's the return guy? Yeah. Then why? Then I probably wouldn't keep Gunner in the first place. If Austin wins the return job, then you probably do cut Gunner Olszewski. Right. Now, if, now it's going to be, obviously, we've got some time to go here. If Austin gets out there and fumbles one or two. but you know it's not like gunner was the surest of hands sure uh I know. La- last year uh gunner can help his cause with any opportunities he gets in these final two games by by doing something like he did when he was with the patriots yeah or even last year in pittsburgh run blocking effort and you know, stuff over the middle um but but if if hypothetically Olszewski is the the punt returner then i don't know who you make an active of these six you know Boykin, I mean, I don't think you're going to make Boykin an active. How, how so? Look, we, we give Boykin a lot of credit for, for special teams play, but is, uh, who else would be, a, I guess the question comes in, who else would be the gunner, uh, you know, if, if Boykin wasn't one of them? Yeah, the starting gunners right now are James Pierre and Miles Boykin. If it's not Boykin, I mean, Cody White, but then, of course, you're just swapping out one receiver right. for another. Um, could another corner emerge? Um you know, could somebody like that? Uh, Chandon Sullivan, Elijah. Well, Elijah Riley is going to be a wing if he's on the punt team. He's not going to be a gunner. So that that's a fair question. Right. Could Porter do it? Could Joey Porter Jr. be a gunner? I don't know if I want him out there doing that. Yeah, but. that's a fair point. Anyway, so we'll see on receiver. I just want to see how the return lines work in this game against Buffalo. All right, offensive line. I'm keeping eight. You're keeping nine. Yeah, you're keeping nine. Uh, what's our difference here? You have. Kevin Dotson, I do not. The rest were the same. A core four, more Daniels, core or Cole, Samalu, Jones, Herbig, and Spencer Anderson. So I've deleted both Kevin Dotson and Kendrick Green and put Spencer Anderson on my fifty-three. I even trimmed one since my life. I, I'm I'm I went ten in my first one and have trimmed it to nine. Now look, I really think that the Kevin Dotson. It's going to be interesting to see what plays out with Kevin Dotson. However, comma, if Kevin Dotson's not on this 53 for whatever reason, I feel like somebody else will be offensive lineman wise. Sure. And I still there I still have this feeling, Alex, that they're going to go out and get another center somewhere. Yeah, I get that. And and I'm with you. I, again, this is the initial 53. And to be fair, there could be trades that happened that impact the initial 53. I think what Jesse Davis and Malik Reed were both traded for on cutdown day last year, right? And right. so they were part of the initial 53. So you can even have those, but it, we can't, I can't put an external name on here and just kind of take a shot at somebody. So my thing with Dotson, and I've really gone back and forth on this. I mean, he is certainly one of the top nine offensive linemen of this group. If you're just ranking in terms of talent and value to the team, but I just think he's a really bad scheme fit. There's always kind of something up with Kevin Dotson. He's been injured in camp in past years, and this year he's got a shoulder injury. He's been battling through, and 
You know, I just think there's some frustration there probably on both sides. And for him to go from starter to an active on game day is just kind of a big fall. So if, if, you, if you're making that kind of decision, you go from starter to, to an active, then you probably don't think too highly of the guy in the first place. Well, how do you feel comfort wise coming out of camp in the first preseason game with Nate Herbig as as your potential backup center? And neither one of us are considering Kevin Dotson. I mean, uh, uh, Kendrick Green, right? Yeah, at this point. I mean, I still have a little bit of hope, as I've been saying. I think he's looked more comfortable in some of I these mean, drills. But... Could could he, though? I mean... <laughs> Where are you going with this thing? Uh, yeah, I I mean, could it end up being they trade off Kevin Dotson, keep Kendrick Green, and not go out and get an outside center, and, and Kendrick Green dress and be the backup center? I think Just, of the... Because technically, he's run second-team center for most of camp, right? A, a, a decent chunk of it, but Herbig before he got hurt was basically getting a lot of second team center work. I think if they stay internal with the backup center, it will be Nate Herbig. I'll put it that way. To me, it'd be malpractice if they make Kendrick Green that guy. Right. I think they understand that. Um, but I think they will add a ninth offensive lineman and they could keep Dodson. But I, if I had to guess, and I have not done much research into who needs O lineman, but somebody does, someone always needs offensive lineman. I think Dodson gets traded for a seventh round pick. All right, and that's back where we bend almost most of the, <laughs> yeah. most of the off season here, right? Yep. Okay, yep. Uh, uh, you know, and and let 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 let's make this plain and simple. True or false? An offensive lineman currently not under contract will be on the fifty three man roster. True or false? I guess based on my current construction, true. I would say true as well. So who are you taking off? Are you going to carry ten? If you had your roster the way it was, and I'm, then... I'm taking. I'm, I'm still carrying nine. It's just uh, Kevin Dotson won't be part of it for whatever reason. Okay. Do you think it's more likely he's traded or just outright released? Traded. Okay. I don't. I don't care if I if the best I can get is an upgraded seventh round pick or whatever. You know. Mm. That's uh, fair point. Uh, I could see the report coming out from Jeremy Fowler. Steeders intend on trading. <laughs> I mean, uh, intend on releasing mm. Kevin Kevin Dotson, and then by the end of the day, magically Kevin Dotson traded for a bag of footballs or whatever. Right. Right. A Jesse Davis type value. Right. They may be that the other way around. Yeah. I, I can see that with Fowler uh, in between him giving away MacBooks when his Twitter's <laughs> being hacked, which I think he's Poor good. Now, guy. Yeah. He was a brutal couple of days with Jeremy Fowler. All right. Over to the defense. Now defensive line. Are we the same here? Are we, are, are we the same here, Dave? I didn't even compare. I got uh, Hayward, Ogunjobi, Benton. No, uh, 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 you have uh, Montrevious Adams, mm. and you you let you you're giving Armand Watts the Kevin Barlow treatment. Oh, I like the Kevin Barlow pull, the free agent that gets signed that doesn't make the team. And yeah, so you have Fahoko, Leal, Lardemokes. Our differences are I'm keeping Adams, and you're keeping Watts. The rest are the same. Yeah, I'm just I'm I'm not going to buck the uh, uh, the Kevin Barlow uh, thing there. That's why I'm keeping Watts. And Adams, I just think you know what his ceiling is at this point. And, uh, I think they like Watson is, is more, more uh, because of his position flex, you know, kind of the position flexibility. I think La- Loudermilk's probably done enough to at least be that seventh and and possibly inactive guy uh, to start the season. I think Fahoko, I think they like Fahoko uh, to be that that run plugger in the middle and in certain situations there. And obviously the rest of those guys, Hayward and Ogan Joby and Leal are, are, are in, and the rookie Benton are going to make it there. So I just, I don't, 
I just don't think they have that. Co- I think they know who Montrevious Adams is at this point, and I don't think they're ready to continue on with that. Now, Adams has run first team nose tackle all camp. Sure. And he's had a good camp. I think it's been a good summer for him. I know it's hard you know, for me to try to impart that, obviously not being there, but I think it's been a good camp for Adams. I just view him as a he is who he is and was at this point. So why not go a different direction? Could you say the same about Fahoko? Because Fahoko, I think, is who he is. He's like run stuffer, and that's all he is. And that's not bad, but th- that's who he is. Okay, who would you rather have in there, Adams or Fahoko? If you didn't, you know, uh, uh, if you didn't have Benton in there uh, over the nose. Uh, well, I kept all three, so I wouldn't have to make those decisions. Um, I mean, it, it depends on the situation. If I if I'm looking for pure run defense on that particular moment, it's Fahoko. If I'm looking for something more, then it's it's Adams. Is there any way Loudermilk still gets the shaft and all this, and they keep Adams and, and Fahoko <laughs> and, and Armand Watts? It's possible, but the more I think about it, and the more that I've watched Loudermilk get a lot of first team reps with Ogan Joby being out, and some of the comments that Tomlin has made, and it doesn't hurt that he's a draft pick. I know it was a while ago, different regime, but probably doesn't hurt in Pittsburgh. Um, and I think the run defense could be a, just a bit more consistent. I think Loudermilk makes it. The only, the only uh, one of the bunch that are the questionable here that saves you any kind of cap money, and then even after displacement, does it really save you all that much is Montrevious Adams? Yeah. Because, yeah. because Watts and Fahoko are, are, are vet, uh, minimum, uh, veteran uh, benefit deals. So if Adams is cut, who's your week one starting nose tackle? I assume it's Keanu Benton. I, I, if you think you can, if you think he's ready, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he's had a good camp and just hopefully he can, hopefully he can play this. Do you think he plays this weekend with the ankle? I'm hope I'm hoping for it. I'm hoping for it, but I kind of wonder if they just uh, uh, make sure to get him healthy and get him a lot of burn in that last preseason game. Yeah, that's true. He, Tomlin didn't mention him in terms of the three guys that he doesn't expect. To I don't play know if it. he's going to play. I would probably rule him more questionable, uh, more than more than anything at this point. But okay. maybe I, I'm, you know, I don't know the seriousness of it, so I'd just be guessing there. Yeah, it's minor. I think he does play, especially because Nick Herbig missed a couple practices and then played in the game, and so I think Benton can do the same. Okay. All right, edge rushers, we are lockstep here. I think everybody in Pittsburgh is. Watt, Highsmith, Golden, and Herbig. Really, it's a question of how much will Herbig and Golden play behind? You know, who will will get more snaps, Herbig with the good camp or Golden the veteran? I'll let them figure it out, but that's your four. (laughs) Yep, I'm with you 100%. Inside linebacker, we are the same as well. Cole Holcomb, Alandon Roberts, Quan Alexander, Mark Robinson, Tanner Muse. It's just a question of how do you rotate all those guys? Yeah, and another thing I think they'll figure out, so it's probably a good problem to have at this point. And, you know, I guess the only question is, you know, do you go younger with Tanner Muse or a guy with more defensive experience in, in Nick Kwiatkowski, who's who's obviously had the shoulder injury and all like that? Yeah, yeah I think you get with Muse kind of more special teamers, and you don't need experience with Kwiatkowski. You have Volkman and Roberts and Alexander. That's, that's all the experience that you need. Right. I have Muse as well. Mm-hmm. At corner, we are the same, and I've I've made a pretty big jump here, and I think you've kind of convinced me about some of the uh, backup corner options, but I'm going Peterson, Wallace, Porter, Pierre, Sullivan, and Riley, so I'm keeping both Sullivan and Elijah Riley, and you are as well. Yeah, look, Pierre, just because who else do you have really that can that, that, that can be that gunner, you know, uh, he's, he's obviously uh, someone that you don't want to have on the field defensively if you can avoid it there, although he can play outside if you needed it to happen. Uh, my only question here became down to the 
do I keep five corners and, and five safeties with a, uh, kind of a versatile slot free safety type, uh, in that last safety position. But in the end, you've talked about how Shannon Sullivan, I think for the most parts run first team and mm-hmm. Riley's had a good camp and he's a good special teams player. Uh, and then there's Pierre with the special teams ability. I couldn't figure out a way to not carry these six push come to shove. Sure. The question is who's your week one inactive? Cause I don't think all six corners are going to be up in week one. Yeah. I think you probably have to make a choice between Sullivan or Riley. Right. I agree. I think it'd be, if I had to get, even though he's run first team, I would say Sullivan because Riley is going to be more of that run defense guy. And Sullivan's basically there in case, you know, corners get hurt and Peterson can't bump inside on passing downs. Then you would uh, deploy Sullivan out there for that. And this list could very well just be five of them, you know? If it is five, who are you cutting? Uh, probably Sullivan, man. Yeah. Even though he's run the first team. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's tough. It's tough. It's we're down to two slot corners, but now we got to pick, you know, one of those two. Right. And it's hard to do. All right. At safety, we're, we're the same there as well with Minka Fitzpatrick, Keanu Neal, DeMonte Casey, and Miles Killebrew. So both of us leaving off Trey Norwood and my camp darling award winner, mm-hmm. Kenny Robinson. And it became, so it came uh, a numbers game here yep. with me. And once again, it came down to, do I keep six corners? And, you know, obviously thinking this team's going to keep, uh, 26 total on defense and seven defensive linemen uh, and, and all. I, I really struggled at the end here, but I had no room. And Miles Kellerbrew's, you know, going, going to uh, should be your special teams captain, I would think, mm-hmm. once again uh, there. So you can't keep him off. Uh, at least you got these other three guys back healthy and running around at the end of camp there. Uh, I did struggle, though, that even uh, – if I did keep five safeties, who would be that guy? This could be, we talked earlier in the show about uh, uh, game day or, you know, practice squad elevations. Could, could, could practice squad elevations play into this, you know, on a, on a week to week basis here with, uh, uh, and look, I mean, Norwood has been hurt for most of the camp, but you said he had a good start of camp there. Uh, Robin, uh, uh, Robinson obviously had a, had a good camp top to bottom there. Uh, I think who, who's the better, who's the more physical player of the two. I tend to think probably Kenny Robinson, Oh yeah, but who's, who's the better, who's the better slot player? Norwood. Norwood. So <laughs> you see the predicament in there. I, I could easily see this group being five and It'd be one of Robinson or 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 Norwood. Yeah, if it's going to be a fifth guy, it's going to be one of those two names. I think the reason, another reason why you go four is because Riley can play safety, and so he's kind of a fifth safety, even though he's gotten you know predominantly slot corner work. He's kind of more traditionally in the NFL a safety. Played safety last year for Pittsburgh whenever he got signed over. So that's kind of your emergency pull the shoot, pull the ripcord. On, uh, on that fifth safety. Right. And I, I hit that in my analysis here. It said mm. I had a spot to fill and I did so with Riley, who has a little bit more position flexibility in addition to him being a special teams asset. Yeah. And Norwood missing, we'll presume he misses tomorrow's game. So to miss two preseason games of the three for a guy fighting for a spot, despite the good start to camp is going to hurt him. And Robinson, I think maybe you can just sneak him to the practice squad. Best ability is availability. Mm-hmm. All right. Specialists, we are, let me check the same, Boz, Harvin, and Kuntz. And like I said, I don't think, I'm not feeling any of these guys to really be in danger right now. I agree. 
and my practice squad, I just have a whole list of names on there. So uh, what was what was the hardest decision you had to make on your 53? Probably five or six wide receivers. Uh, I was would, the same. Would be the one glaring thing there. And then second to that would be five or six cornerbacks. Yeah, I'm with you. I had a 52-man roster and... I had 26 on defense and 23 on offense. And I just swear I got, I got to put somebody on offense on there to, uh, to make the numbers work. Cause even I, I, and I went and checked, even the initial rosters are usually 25, 25 or 26, 24. They're, they're never 27, 23, even initially. So I just couldn't justify it. Okay. All right. What else do we have here? So our, what, 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 what were our differences here overall? I think, uh, uh, I have, one more offensive lineman than you do. Uh, you have one more wide receiver than I do. Yeah, you kept Dotson. I kept and, and then we differed on Watts and Montrevious Adams. Correct. So, yeah, the, the change on offense, you want extra alignment. I want extra receiver initially, just for people to be very clear on that. And then I went Adams, you went Watts defensively. All right. The deletions from my initial projection are Darius Hagens, uh, LaRaven Clark, Corey Trice Jr., uh, Kwiatkowski, and Ryan McCollum. So I had five from my initial 53, not on this 53. And those are all probably pretty easy deletions to make right. after the uh, all right. that we've been through so far. Uh, I, did, I did forget to mention this from the injury standpoint, so I apologize, but I don't think there were too many people waiting around for it. Jamarcus Bradley was weighed with an injury settlement, correct? Mm-hmm. I believe on that. Yes, he was. And we'll have to wait for the next couple of days to find out how much that, uh, how many weeks and how much that was for. But it'll obviously be a lot cheaper than the 500000 that he was on IR with uh, with a split salary. Right. And I assume it probably it was a minor hamstring Tom called it. So maybe two weeks, three weeks, one, whatever. One, that two week at, at max. Three, three at max, I would mm-hmm. say. But probably this might end up being just a one week settlement. How much is how much is that? How much do you get in a one week? Is it just one uh, week? They pay would have been. Yeah, I think it's uh, you would take the uh, split salary divided by uh, 18, I think, is the number. So it would be twenty seven thousand seven hundred and seventy eight if it was a one week okay. uh, settlement there. So about what, it, you know, uh, a hefty uh, signing bonus for an undrafted <laughs> free agent amount, basically. Yeah, in, in Pittsburgh's world. Yeah, I guess it's not a bad consolation prize for a guy getting released. All right, Dave, I forgot to mention this as well. The Steelers have released their second depth chart and hit the big old control C, control V button and copy paste, put in the new names for the injured players. And that's about it. That's that's all, folks. Yeah, that's uh, Looney Tunes. Is that is that Foghorn Leghorn? No, that's uh, Porky Pig. Porky Pig. Uh, I don't think that's Foghorn Leghorn. I, I didn't watch all, a lot of Saturday. Although, although Foghorn Leghorn did did kind of have a stutter to him as well, too. I, yeah. I, I, uh, boy, yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, but yeah, the depth chart, I mean, they literally didn't make any changes. They, they make it because they have to make it, and that's that's all there is there. Right. And we just pass it along as a courtesy. Yep. Uh, all right, Dave, anything else you want to talk about? Anything we're missing that I that we should uh, be getting to? I, I think we kind of like to try to keep this to about an hour, I think, here. So let's check the email machine real quick here and see what we have. 
Okay, let's get to some emails and close out today's show. And I, you know, really, most of what we have is just people chiming in on us going down a rabbit hole the other day. George Vukovic writes in, since you asked, just want to say, I love it when you guys nerd out. Boy, are we a bunch of nerds. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, if people don't like it, there is a fast forward button. I've never understood why people complain about this stuff. You can't find this kind of analysis anywhere else. Not even close. Glad the health stuff has been tending in a good direction. Good thoughts and prayers headed your way uh, that this continues. Have a great night. Thanks for that, George. Uh, let's see. What else do we have? Jimmy. Uh, writes in, Dave, enjoyed the rabbit hole conversations from the most recent normal show. If you and Alex are happy, I'm happy. Keep up the good work. Thanks for that, Jimmy. Jeff Berg writes in, howdy. I like listening to the rabbit hole discussions on stats like the average yards for passing attempt. Uh, it's one of the many reasons I've listened to y'all since way back. Uh, you and Alex tackle topics I don't see anywhere else. That's much appreciated. So I say keep doing what you're doing. Your instincts are on point. Uh, thanks for that, uh, Jeff. Brian writes in, hi, Dave, you asked for a little bit of feedback on the uh, rabbit hole about adjusting net yards for pass attempt. I like it. I liked it. I found it interesting. All right. Uh, boy, uh, what are we doing to get all this praise, Alex? I don't know. <laughs> a little nervous looking around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where's where's the where's the gut punch coming here? Brandon <laughs> writes in, uh, if they saw uh, Najee versus Jalen, if they are somewhat comparable, then why why even entertain picking up Najee's fifth year option or extending him? What's done is done, and who could have foreseen what? Jalen Warren has done so far. If they could have them, he'd probably have been drafted in the fourth round. I really like Najee as a person and a player, but I think it's a bad business to pick up the option or extending him unless he just comes out and has a tremendous season, like 13, 1400 yards rushing, eight to 12 total touchdowns. Barring that, don't see the need to invest further there. Look, that's kind of where I've left off though on Najee. If you were, if you've read, you know, the, 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 uh, the articles on Steeders Depot and heard, you know, uh, uh, Alex and I on the Times talking about that. It it it's going to come down to, to what happens in 2023 in, in Najee. If he does put up, you know, uh, 13, 1400 yards rushing, and let's say 17, 1800 total yards from scrimmage, and has eight, nine, 10, 12, 14 touchdowns, uh, that's that's going to make that decision. You know, uh, one definitely worth talking about there, but I don't think you sit here right today and say they definitely should not pick up Najee's fifth year option. I think this all boils down to what happens in 2023 with Najee. Yeah, you're right. Let's get through the season. We can talk until we're blue in the face about, you know, fifth year option. Should it be picked up or not? This season will will dictate that plain and simple. So we can talk about this all day long, but. This season will will give us our answers. All right, and Austin, one last one here from Austin. Hey, Dave, really enjoyed the podcast. Uh, both uh, the conversations on Najee versus Warren, as well as the adjusted net yards for uh, uh, passing uh, discussion for Kenny. Good to add context context to what success looks like for Pickett this season. I uh, am. Are we actually getting some adjusting? Because a lot of look, I. Overall, I know uh, most of you uh, listeners don't mind us going down some of the some of them we get so far deep into that it takes a more more than a couple of shovels to get us out when we go down these rabbit holes. But I think most of the pushback that I hear a lot when we start having some of these statistical discussions is, man, get off the adjusted net yards for passing attempt stat and get off the running back 
success rate uh, uh, stat. But the, 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 the beauty of the, dis- the, the discussion that we had the other day is, man, that was a fantastic list that Scott put together mm-hmm. uh, in that thing. And I, I, I think that maybe opened up to a lot of eyes to historically what Kenny Pickett is up against and even more so with Matt Canada as his offensive coordinator. I, that yeah. that's that's the more meat of the discussion there i think because once again you you get past that saints game last year it was a it was i mean yeah the the touchdowns weren't over the top and all like that but the sacks weren't there and the turnovers weren't there now i you want to kind of try to extrapolate that out you know obviously with the experience and him going through a full training camp and 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 as alex said man the the the, the skill position weapons He has, can he put up a 2.0 jump? And if he doesn't, are we going to be pointing to his play more? Or are we going to be pointing more towards uh, Matt Canada as an anchor? Sure. I I just like having those tangible benchmarks for us to track throughout the year. I mean, obviously there's an eye test to be had and there's something that can be, you know, you can't always quantify with that when you see, you know, pick it lead back to back game winning drives last year that just kind of grabs you more than any number could but it's still good to match that with some data that we can follow that has that's rooted in you know nfl success look we love marrying these advanced statistics to the tape that's what we that's why that's what gives us our kicks in this thing, especially once we get into the season and all like that. But, and, and even in a draft process, look, the whole Nick Herbig conversation wasn't so much about Nick Herbig and edge rusher, his actual pass rushing abilities. It's more about the statistical data that comes along with, with, with the rest of it. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole thought of the site, as you said, marry the, the tape and the, and the stats. But so far, so good for Nick Herbig. I'll say that. And I, I tell you, there's one guy, uh, you know, obviously, everybody wants to see Joey Porter Jr. get out there uh, and 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 hopefully see Keanu Benton get another turn at this thing after the game that he had. And then I'd, 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 I'd sign me up for 42 snaps of Nick Herbig in this game. Yeah, I want to see this guy a ton. I want to see him against the run. I want to see how he does, as you said, with a ton of snaps. And as you get tired and wear down, you know, what, what did he play in the opener? 13, you said? Oh, it was somewhere in the teens there. Thir- I don't I don't remember specifically. Yeah. I don't have Regardless, not, not a ton, which is fine. I knew coming off the injury, but you're going to be fresh and healthy in those snaps when you're a little tired. It's later in the game when you're kind of getting beat up. Let, let's see how you look. All right. I think we're what, about an hour, 15 minutes here. Is that perfect? Yeah, I think it's a good time to wrap up. We'll come back, I guess, on Sunday with the recap of the uh, Bills game. And then, of course, be back Monday with a live stream Monday as well. So a ton coming at you guys. We really didn't preview the game, but I, I think we kind of previewed the game enough as part of the conversation there, kind of the things we're looking for. We'll have more preview stuff uh, on the side as far as, you know, kind of players to watch for and, and that kind of thing. But I think within all the discussion today, people got a pretty good idea what to expect on Saturday night, right? 
Yeah, I mean, it's just 30,000 foot view, anything you're looking for in particular, the offense to continue its success, uh, see the, you know, Patrick Peterson where he aligns and maybe some little more creativity, creativity with the, with the back end of the secondary, anything else to look for? Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, these draft picks, Joey Porter Jr. debut, we just talked about Nick Herbig, Keanu Benton, can he get on the field? Uh, 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 Valaday, is there anything to him? The return guys in Austin mm-hmm. and McFarland are things definitely to watch. And then obviously, can this offense, uh, pick up where they left off uh, uh, last week against Tampa Bay. So, you know, I think those are kind of the main uh, and then defensive communication, seeing some of these veterans in there. Boy, excited to see uh, Kiana Neal and Casey and, 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 and Minka and maybe Maybe they'll give us a hint and maybe show us a little bit of that three safety look in this game, mm, uh, uh, you know, as well there. So, all right. Uh, within all that, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Steelers Depot. Follow Alex. Uh, oh, by the way, Alex, great job with the training camp coverage. Thank you know, you. I, I said it last night and and the, the rave reviews are coming in on Twitter and, and on the site. Really do appreciate that. Uh, follow Alex on Twitter at Alex underscore Kazora. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show, the Terrible Podcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to donate, SteedersDepot.com, hit the donate button up right navigational bar. Also, if you'd like an ad-free version, uh, version of the site, SteedersDepot.com, hit the ad-free button up right navigational bar. So until Sunday morning, as always, thanks for listening to the Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex.